Good morning. Welcome to Clinton United Methodist Church. My name is Pastor Michael. I'm excited and happy to see you here today on this beautiful day that God has made. Uh, the trees are changing colors. There's nice crisp air. Um, and, and hopefully we'll get to enjoy this before all that white stuff falls from the sky. Um, couple of quick things before we get to all the fun stuff. Um, and I'm going to, I don't think I have any announcements personally, so I'm going to pass that on over to Sheila to tell you about all the good fun stuff going on. Good morning. First of all, a huge thank you to everyone that helped make our craft show a success yesterday. The good Lord blessed us with beautiful weather, so we were allowed to bring some crafters outside. Those that had to wait didn't seem to mind because they stood out here in the sun and soaked it up. And we think we're around $2,000 as profit. We'll know more once we add our figures together. If you have a craft show sign that you took to put in your yard, please make sure we get it back. Also, the Bible study uh, announcements are still attached. Please uh, respond to the office if you plan to attend one of those, either of those. Um, there is a worship meeting tomorrow at 7 p.m. We are also having a mini show after I shouldn't say that, a mini sale after worship. We have leftover cookies and chips and some sloppy joes and buns from yesterday. And our craft table, the church's craft table is also set up. Just come up after worship. Stuff on this side is marked. Stuff on that side is make a donation. And we do have an announcement by Jan. Well, first, uh, a big thanks, and we're so blessed to have people who work so hard for this church and for those of you who support it. Uh, I'm going to hawk these uh, boxes. We've got a few left. We'd like to just get them all sent out to you. Uh, we have the pamphlet, which explains it, and I won't go through that. But I have to say this, that as a church, we have to reach beyond our own needs, our own personal needs and our own uh, needs of this church to be a church of Jesus and I'm going to say this yes you're gonna to have to spend some money but there's a lot worse organizations and many of them out there uh, when you send in money maybe 10 cents on the dollar goes to the actual need and the rest goes to administration I don't think this is true for Samaritan's Purse and I'm going to say also that giving in Jesus name never diminishes our resources or our talents, or our strength. It only increases. It's, it's odd, it doesn't seem right, but that is the way it is. Now I have my own Vanna White here who's going to distribute boxes to anybody who hasn't got one. They are due next Sunday and, and, and we are going to bless them and uh, we know we'll pray that they get to somebody, well we know they'll get to somebody in need tremendous need, but we'll pray thanks to God that we could send them to. Um, take this opportunity, it's the last one we have till next Sunday, because you do have to shop, 
and I'm, I'm available to pick up boxes if you need them. Uh, anything else? I think Push that's it. We've already received several boxes. I'd love to get to uh, 70 boxes, and we can do it. If you need a box, put a hand out Thank of you. your window, por favor. Or, or light your lights. Or light your lights. Or come and get one. Or you can even come and get one. Also, I think we ran out of bulletins. So if you'd give us about five minutes, Luann's going to run some extra bulletins. If you would turn your lights on if you need a bulletin, and she'll deliver them for you. Thank you. Um, also, on the back side of our announcements, Clinton United Church of Christ is hosting their annual Senior Citizens Thanksgiving Turkey Dinner. We need you to call if you'd like to have a dinner. You don't have to pay for it, but they just need to know how many people are going to come so they can make sure they have enough food. And I think that's it for announcements, unless somebody else has one. Thank you. Huh? We've got a couple, the white truck back there, and Nicole didn't get one, I don't think. All right, we are going to begin our worship service this morning by remembering our saints. Um, again, worship is going to try and reschedule to do something a little bit more involved at a later date when things are uh, safer and, and health-wise, but uh, this morning we would like to read aloud uh, those names um, and follow with a prayer. So if you would join me in an attitude of remembrance um, and please bear with me, I will, I think I can pronounce all of these and if I make a mistake, I apologize. Marianne Haybrick. Al Williams. Faith Quig, Walter Feldkamp, Vivian Thompson, Eugene Robert Korpusik. Connie Beatty. Dick Neff. Carol Ledford. Bill Gieske. Roger Brooks. Arnold Saylor, Henry Engel, Anne George, and for all of those who we hold on our hearts, those we may not have mentioned today, but are on our in our thoughts and minds as we remember those who have gone on before us into perfection.
Holy God, we give you thanks for these saints who have gone on before us into your care. We give you thanks for their lives, for the impact that they had in the lives of those around them and in the world. Impact that may be immeasurable in many cases, things they may not have even realized, lives they may have touched. We give you thanks for the examples, the way they lived their lives, everything that they offered to others, to your glory. We know that we will see these saints again soon when it is our time to return to you, but we ask right now in this moment for those who are missing them so much, who are mourning, that you would comfort them and the Holy Spirit might come upon them. Again, we give you thanks so much for these and all the saints who have left us in this last year. We give you thanks for there being something to go on to from this world. And we look forward to when we join you there. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. Please join me with our call to worship. God, who rules the universe, calls us. Christ, who, who took, took up, up his, his cross, cross calls, calls us. us. Holy Spirit, who frees us body and soul, calls us. Let us faithfully, faithfully answer by, by worshiping the, the triune God. Our first hymn is God Hath Spoken by the Prophets, page 108.
please join me for our opening prayer. As prophets catch fire, as disciples draw flame, as apostles walk in the Spirit, O Holy One, Holy Three, fill us with reverent desire to enter your kingdom. Lead us by the cross of Christ to live in the love of Christ, now and forever. Amen. Our next hymn is, O God, Our Help in Ages Past, page 117. you'd please join me in our prayer of illumination. O God, by By your spirit, plant your word within us that we may follow your son, our Lord Jesus Christ, and never leave him. May we find our home in your kingdom and our life in your spirit. Amen. Our first scripture this morning is from Solomon 6, verses 12 through 16, NRSV version. Description of wisdom. Wisdom is radiant and unfading, and she is easily discerned by those who love her and is found by those who seek her. She hastens to make herself known to those who desire her. One who rises early to seek her will have no difficulty, for she will be found sitting at the gate. 
To fix one's thoughts on her is perfect understanding, and one who is vigilant on her account will soon be free from care, because she goes about seeking those worthy of her, and she graciously appears to them in their paths and meets them in every thought. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be, be to, to God. God. The blessings that come from God are rich like the fruits of summer. With our tithes and offerings, let us give thanks and praise to the triune God, to the Son for our salvation, the Spirit for our rising, and the Creator of heaven and earth. We will now collect our offering and have our noisy coin collection.
Michelle's got a bunch of points for you to Please join me in singing our doxology. God, our maker, our savior, our source of life, we thank you for your self-giving love. You made us in your image and gave us a home in your world. You did not forsake us when our sin brought disaster upon what you love. Instead, you sojourned with us in the wasteland. You taught us neighbor love and holiness through the commands of Moses. You spoke to us words of justice, correction, and kindness in the poetry of the prophets. We thank you that in the fullness of time you sent the Son to be born of Mary by the Holy Spirit to be the perfect image of God. We thank you that Christ Jesus gave himself upon the cross to free us from the bondage to sin and death. We thank you for receiving him in resurrection and ascension, the firstborn of the new creation. Through him we have freedom to walk in the spirit that is eternal life. We present our offerings and commit ourselves to follow Jesus Christ Love our neighbors and share the fruits of the Spirit, giving you thanks and praise, O holy triune God. Amen. Amen. I invite you now to a time and an attitude of prayer. Holy God, we come before you on this glorious day that you have made. The sun is shining, the temperature is quite nice, and we are seeing the beauty of your artwork and the changing of the leaves upon the trees. We give you thanks for this day. We also give you thanks for all of those who work to help us be healthy in our world. Our doctors and nurses and surgeons and lab technicians, research scientists, and so many more who work to help us stay healthy. We ask that you would continue to watch over them and guide their hands and efforts that we may all be healed in the ways that we need it most. God, we also lift up all of those who work so hard to keep us safe, from our military and armed forces, to our police and firefighters, to so many others who work so diligently for our well-being. We ask that you would guide them in their efforts and in their hearts and their words, Keep them safe and strong, and for those who are far away from home, we pray that we might see them home again soon and end a conflict in our world. We also lift up all of those who we have listed in our bulletin for the various things that they have asked for prayers for. We pray for Bob Gieske, who has lost his brother-in-law, Dick. Bob and Diane Gieske's daughter, Jennifer, who had her thyroid removed, the results are in, there is no cancer, and we give you thanks. We pray for Louise's son, who is still in need of improving his medical conditions. We pray for Marilyn Randall, who 
is heading towards the end of her life, and while we know she will be with you in a better place when the time is right, we ask that she not suffer until you have called her home. We give you thanks for the healing for Lois Hall as she has been able to return and play music for us during our worship service. We are thankful for her healing. We also lift up Dick Saylor, who has lost his younger brother, Arnold. We lift up Charlotte Wolf, who is having back surgery. Chris McKean, who is dealing with thyroid and heart issues. Barry Wright, who is dealing with liver and white blood cell counts that are too low. Ginny Marsh, who has been diagnosed with breast cancer. We also lift up Jim Manley, who is currently at uh, Prometica on a ventilator fighting COVID. We lift up the family of Joey Harger, a 20-year-old who was killed in a car accident yesterday. We lift up Jim Lyons, who has been diagnosed with cancer and is beginning the fight against that at this time. God, we also want to lift up today our nation. During any election season, there are going to be people who are happy, people who are upset or angry, people who will be sad. But we trust in you. And right now, God, we ask that you would help us to always see one another as children of God the way that you see us. We may not agree on everything, but we need to still love one another. We ask that you would touch the hearts and minds of people around this country, regardless on where they may stand on any given issue or what party affiliation they may have, regardless of any of those things, help us to come together to love one another and to try and move forward as the days and months continue to roll on and we still find ourselves in this pandemic. Soften our hard hearts Help us to see. Help us to trust in you. That no matter what may happen, no matter what leaders of this nation or any other nation may say or do, you are still God. You reign over all. All of these things, as well as those we keep quietly upon our own hearts and minds, we lift to you this day. In the name of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, it is now time for our youth moment. If our youth and children would want to come hang out up here with me. And remember, you are all children of God, so everyone is invited. But if you want a sucker, you definitely have to come out and hang up up here.
All right, how are you guys doing today? Everybody awake? Yeah? All right, so in a little, hold on, buddy. In a little bit later, um, I'm going to be talking with the adults about a really crazy story from the Bible. Um, and I don't want to spoil it, but it has to... I know, I need you to be quiet, please, buddy. The story has to do with how we treat people. And it's kind of what happens is there's a bunch of people who weren't treating somebody very nicely, and something bad ends up happening to them. Now, that's not necessarily why something bad happened to them, but that's what's in the story. And right now, with all this stuff with the pandemic, we can't do the things we want to do. We get frustrated, right? It's, it's no fun when, when we can't do the stuff we like to do. But... DeAndre, I need you to stop, please. But we have to remember that life is always changing. Every day, new stuff happens. New things occur. And so even though there might be something that makes us sad or frustrated or angry today, tomorrow is a new day. And it is full of possibilities. Because God is full of possibilities. So I know there's going to be times where maybe... You don't like the homework the teacher gave you. Or maybe mom and dad didn't make the dinner you wanted. Or maybe you lost something that you really love, like a toy or, uh, or something that was important to you. But you know what? Tomorrow is a new day. And there is always new and amazing things that can happen, okay? So even when we get frustrated or we're sad or we're confused... We need to just trust in God, all right? Can we do that? Does that sound pretty good? Okay. I need your help with something before you go to Sunday school. Um, we need to do the Lord's Prayer. Um, so if you guys can, can fold your hands and repeat after me, okay? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever amen awesome you guys rock Come get a sucker, and then it's time for Sunday school!
of the year. All right. Christ Jesus did not call down destruction upon those who rejected him. How much more will he show mercy to those who seek forgiveness? In faith, let us confess our sins. If you would please join me in our prayer of confession. O God, Holy Trinity, help us confess our sins. You gave us a place in your creation, and you intend that we live in love with all that you have made. We confess that we abuse what you give us by our thoughts, actions, and the meditations of our hearts. We show how enslaved we are to life made corrupt by sin. Far from walking in the spirit, we stumble on paths that lead to death. O fire of heaven, have mercy on us. Satisfy the longings of our souls by taking us up into your spirit that we may love our neighbor. Rekindle our desire to follow our Savior, Jesus Christ, whose passion for obeying you leads us our inheritance, which is your promised kingdom. To you and the Son and the Spirit, one God, be all worship and praise now and forever. Amen. Please take a few moments for silent prayer and confession. Beloved children of God, the crucified Christ has set us free to live in the spirit of life. Hear the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Praise be to God. Amen. Amen. Please join me for the affirmation of faith from 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 through 6, and Colossians 1, verses 15 through 20, on page 888. This is the good news which we have received, in which we stand, and by which we are saved. Christ, Christ died, died for, for our sins, was buried, was raised on the third day, and appeared first to the women, then to Peter and the twelve, and then to many faithful witnesses. We believe Jesus is the Christ, the anointed one of God, the firstborn of all creation, the firstborn from the dead, in whom all things hold together, in whom the fullness of God was pleased to dwell by the power of the Spirit. Christ is the head of the body, the church, and by the blood of the cross reconciles all things to God. Amen. Our second scripture reading is from Second Chronicles Chapter 36, verses 15 through 21, the fall of Jerusalem. The Lord, the God of their ancestors, set persistently to them by his messengers because he had compassion on his people and on his dwelling place. But they kept mocking the messengers of God, despising his words and scoffing at his prophets until the wrath of the Lord against his people became so great there was no remedy. Therefore, 
Therefore he brought up against them the king of the Chaldeans, who killed their youths with the sword in the house of their sanctuary, and had no compassion on young man or young woman, the aged or the feeble. He gave them all into his hand. All the vessels of the house of God, large and small, and the treasures of the house of the Lord, and the treasures of the king and of his officials, all these he brought to Babylon. They burned the house of God, broke down the wall of Jerusalem, burned all its palaces with fire, and destroyed all its precious vessels. He took into exile in Babylon those who had escaped from the sword, and they became servants to him and to his sons until the establishment of the kingdom of Persia. To fulfill the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah, until the land had made up for its Sabbaths. All the days that it lay desolate, it kept Sabbath to fulfill 70 years. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be, be to God. God. Please join me for our next hymn, Here I Am, Lord, page 593.
Our third scripture reading this morning comes from 2 Kings chapter 2, verses 13 through 25. This section begins titled, Elisha Succeeds Elijah. He picked up the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. He took the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and struck the water, saying, Where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? When he had struck the water, the water was parted to the one side and to the other, and Elisha went over. When the company of prophets who were at Jericho saw him at a distance, they declared, The spirit of Elijah rests on Elisha. They came to meet him and bowed to the ground before him. They said to him, See now, we have fifty strong men among your servants. Please let them go and seek your master. It may be that the spirit of the Lord has caught him up, and thrown him down on some mountain or into some valley. He responded, No, do not send them. But when they urged him until he was ashamed, he said, Send them. So they sent fifty men who searched for three days but did not find him. When they came back to him, he had remained at Jericho. He said to them, Did I not say to you, Do not go? Elijah perform Elisha performs miracles. Now the people of the city said to Elisha, The location of the city is good, as my Lord sees, but the water is bad and the land is unfruitful. He said, Bring me a new bowl and put salt into it. So they brought it to him. Then he went to the spring of water and threw the salt in it and said, Thus says the Lord, I have made this water wholesome. From now on neither death nor miscarriage shall come from it. So the water has been wholesome to this day, according to the word that Elisha spoke. He went up from there to Bethel, and while he was going up on the way, some small boys came out of the city and jeered at him, saying, Go away, bald head! Go away, bald head! When he turned around and saw them, he cursed them in the name of the Lord. Then two she-bears came out of the woods and mauled forty-two of the boys. From there he went on to Mount Carmel. And then return to Samaria. This is the word of God for the people of God. If you would please join me again in an attitude of prayer. Holy God, the pages of scripture contain countless parables, stories, histories, songs, and so much more. And in those pages, we find the written version of an oral history of how a group of people understood their relationship with you. We believe that we know all the stories, or at least the most important ones, but there are still many stories, many lessons that still await us within these pages. Open our hearts and our minds to hear these stories and study these lessons, that we might grow in our understanding of you and our relationship with you. 
And now may the words of my mouth and meditations of our hearts together in this place be pleasing in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, good morning once again to all of you. <clears throat> this crazy year is coming closer and closer to a close. And I, like many of you, I am sure are hopeful for 2021 to be better than 2020. Although there is still time for the aliens to land, I think that's next on the docket for this year. For the next three weeks, assuming nothing catastrophic occurs, we will be doing a, a new sermon series that I have written called Wait, That's in the Bible? Where we're going to explore some of the stories and histories recorded in scripture that we may be less familiar with, or maybe have never even heard before. I have come across some of these passages while reading through the Bible. And I try to read the Bible from cover to cover um, over each year. And if you have never tried it, I highly recommend it. Um, and I'm very willing to even help you find like a reading plan so you can kind of parse it out each day. You don't have to try and rush through it um, over a small amount of time. Uh, there's actually many reading plans even available online, um, and I have some software I can use to generate custom ones, so please um, do not hesitate to reach out. I have also found by doing this, just like rereading your favorite novel or uh, fiction book, you can find things that you may have missed before or things that speak to you now differently than they used to because of how your life has changed, how the world has changed, how your faith has grown. Today, we're going to be engaging with the story we heard in our reading from 2 Kings, chapter 2, about the prophet Elisha. This story is one of those that when I shared it with people, I always see their jaws kind of hit the floor and a combined look of confusion and horror. Let's go through that second half again after Elisha has succeeded Elijah as the prophet of the Lord, shall we? We start with Elisha performing a miracle of making the water of a city believed to be Jericho, based on the text, good again, so that it can be uh, drunk by people, used to cultivate food and such. And from there, he leaves and heads off to Bethel. And this is where the trouble starts. You see, Scripture tells us, and while he was going up on the way, some small boys came out of the city and jeered at him, saying, Go away, bald head. Go away, bald head. When he turned around and saw them, he cursed them in the name of the Lord. Then two she-bears came out of the wood and mauled 42 of the boys. From there, he went on to Mount Carmel and then returned to Samaria. That's some fun stuff, huh? A couple of kids make fun of Elisha for having male-patterned baldness, and they get mauled by two female bears. That sounds justified, right? You know, atheists will tend to quote and use this story to try and trip up Christians um, when talking about if God really exists, and if so, what kind of supreme being is this God? I mean, how could a loving God, because that's how we talk about God as Christians, how could a loving God send two bears to maul a bunch of kids for making, some of, or for making fun of someone for being bald? It seems a little bit extreme, doesn't it? Well... Let's start digging, because obviously there is a lot going on here, and maybe there is more to this story 
that we are not aware of. Now, according to Paul House, as shared in the New American Commentary, some young boys from Bethel come out of the town to mock and jeer at the prophet. These boys parallel the soldiers in 1 Kings chapter 1, 9, verse 12, who order Elijah to come with them, for both groups seem to lack respect for the prophet's authority and position. He goes on to say that the specific insult cast at Elijah is, go on up, you bald head, a phrase that may refer to some physical marking Elijah took on as a prophet, rather than to a literal baldness. If this was the case, the insult was directly specific or directed specifically at Elisha as a prophet and therefore at the Lord whom he represented. The jeering go on up may be a reference to Elijah's translation with the sense of go away like Elijah, perhaps spoken in contemptuous disbelief. House goes on to offer that some commentators think this story was originally meant to frighten the young into respect for their reverend elders, while others believe that the account is legendary and represents the worst notions of certain prophetic circles. Still others argue that the account demonstrates Elisha's effective use of the name of Yahweh and his role as new father of the prophets. It is also true that the scornful have discovered Elisha is no more to be trifled with than Elijah was. Now my research going into this section of scripture found further discussion on this punishment for the children. There are scholars who point out that this was likely not the first time a prophet was mocked by the children or youth of Bethel, as there was a school for prophets there, and the children would constantly harass them, hoping that they would leave Bethel. Because of this, they further argue that the punishment was fitting of the crime, as this was not a first-time offense, and in other circumstances would have included throwing rocks and sticks not just words, at the prophet of the Lord. Then others point out that the Hebrew text does not indicate just how old these children or youth were. Some argue that based on the words used in verses and other passages, they were most likely youths between 13 and 15 years old. Others argue an age range of 8 up to the mid-20s, as some groups considered anyone who did not own property and not holding other power or position in society as still being a youth, or at least on some level. They point out that because of their ages, it is not just a group of preschool kids joking around with someone, and again, therefore, is justified. Now, Thomas Constable also offers that as Elisha was traveling from Jericho to Bethel, several dozen youths, young men, not children, confronted him. Perhaps they were young false prophets of Baal. Their jeering, recorded in the slang of their day, implied that if Elisha were a great prophet of the Lord as Elijah was, he should go on up into heaven as Elijah reportedly had done. The epithet bald had may allude to lepers who had to shave their heads and were considered detestable outcasts. Or it may simply have been a form of scorn, for baldness was undesirable. I don't know why. Since it was customary for men to cover their heads, the young men probably could not tell if Elisha was bald or not. 
They regarded God's prophet with contempt. This idea again seems to offer that the punishment was warranted and fair. Gleason Archer attempts to put everything in perspective when he describes this large roving band of teenagers as a serious public danger, quite as grave as the large youth gangs that roam the ghetto sections of our modern American cities. Further, the Apologetic Study Bible argues that the Hebrew phrase for small boys refers to adolescents from 12 to 30 years old. It is unlikely that these youths were younger than 12 years old. And contrary to the caricature and assumption of many readers, Alicia was a young man, most likely in his mid-twenties, though bald, so his safety and well-being were potentially being threatened. Now, other scholars offer that the message was a corrective message to address current attitudes and behavior that, if heeded, would ward off worse sins and greater judgment. The gang was shocked and silenced when mauled, not necessarily killed, by the bears, and their parents and community were warned to repent of their sins reflected in their children and obey God before worse judgments befell them. Walter Kayser writes how the eventual fall of Israel would have been avoided had the people repented after the bear attack. But they didn't. All of this, though, still raises the question for many people, don't we believe that God is loving and forgiving? Is the God of the Old Testament not the same as the God of the New Testament? Where are God's love, forgiveness, and grace in this story? Are there other perspectives we need to consider and examine? Well, I can also share that some claim that this whole story didn't even actually occur. Not made up in the sense that someone might say that the whole Bible is made up, which there are people who believe that, but rather that this particular interaction itself was made up, created in the time of Elisha as a way to help keep people in line and refrain from mocking God's prophets. It was known that people should not mock God's prophets, but this story would have given some teeth to that command. It would offer that there are real consequences for disobeying God's commands and not showing respect to God and God's messengers. Or others believe that this was a situation of convenience, or from other points of view, a situation of unfortunate timing. This theory proposes that the youth just happened to put themselves in between the bears and their cubs, not noticing as they were focusing on making fun of Alicia. That would make this more a lesson on paying attention to your surroundings than one of respecting God. But again, where is the mercy and grace? Where is the God of love and forgiveness in this story? How do we as Christians who claim a belief in a God that loved the whole world enough to send God's Son to save the world, not judge it, how do we reconcile all of this? Is it as simple as God was fairly passing judgment on a group of young adults who should have known better than to reject God and God's prophet as this would be in line with the context of that time in the world? Context is very important after all. Things that were acceptable at one point in history are not always held to continue to be acceptable over time. Could this be an instance of what was recorded was done so in a way that was seen as acceptable at that time in history? 
But then what about Jesus talking about forgiving our enemies, turning the other cheek? Does God not practice what God teaches? What gives? How are we supposed to work with this? Well, come on, pastor, tell us. What's the answer? There's got to be an answer. Well, if I'm being perfectly honest, I don't really have an answer. This situation is one of those things in Scripture that we can understand it in a lot of different ways. You can make the argument that these people should have known better. You can make the argument that this was a made-up story to scare people into respecting authority. You can make the argument that context is all that matters here, and this was another way that God held the people of Israel accountable to the covenant they had made with God, just like the exile would be later on. You could make any of those arguments and countless more. But the truth is, because of so many outside influences and factors, we cannot say anything with complete confidence. Who wrote this? Why they chose to include it? Who was there if it happened? And all of that make this a section that is really hard to wrestle with. And that is okay. Scripture and faith are not always easy. Some things are confusing. Some things seem to contradict others. What I think is more important is that we take the time to examine and explore Scripture. Rather than ignore passages like these that might be challenging or we don't feel like we can fully explain, we should take the time and study them. We may not always end up with a perfect answer or solution, and we may often end up with more questions than answers. That's kind of how life works. And as John Wesley would point out, for us to grow in relationship with God, for us to progress in our faith and God's grace, we need to continue to engage Scripture in our lives. If we just cherry-pick the parts of Scripture that we like or agree with or think we understand and ignore all of the rest— we miss out on a lot about how we relate to God. We always need to work to understand the context of the passages we read and take the context and other factors into consideration in our studying. But we cannot simply ignore it. Do not be afraid of what you might find in the Bible. Some of it may not make a lot of sense. Some of it may seem mean or angry, even hateful. But again, the context makes a big difference in helping to understand Scripture and what was going on in the world at that time. This is not a book that was written two years ago. This is a book that has been compiled over thousands of years, and a lot has changed in that time. So go. Read your Bible. Find the stories that are strange. Make notes of them. Find stories that are challenging. Bookmark those. And then share them. Share them with each other. Share them with me. I love to find new surprising stuff that I've missed, even though I've read through it many times. There's always something new. And through this, through this practice... We may all grow deeper in our faith and our understanding of God. Amen. If you would turn to hymn number 
451, Be Thou My Vision, and join me in our closing hymn. Beloved children of God, keep awake, for Christ is coming to gather us to his welcome table where we will feast in joy. May the grace of Christ surround you, the love of God uphold you, and the Holy Spirit spark you with unquenchable fire as you wait and work for the kingdom to come. Go now in love and peace and serve the Lord. Amen.